It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Can you believe it? It's already Thursday, folks. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by the new X series of scratch-offs in the New York Lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino, and Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. If you want to check us out on Twitter, it's at hashtag GiantsChat. And of course, don't forget that Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our programs, including the Giants Huddle Podcast, podcast at giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and on all your favorite podcast platforms. Mr. Detino, Mr. Fiegels, good afternoon. Hello. Hello, everyone. All right, so we're going to continue our position series today, folks, and I wanted to get these done this week because we're going to have that like mini Exos combine thing over the weekend. Then we're going to do a week of draft. Then we got to get heavy into free agency because free agency then starts uh, about a week or so after that. So, we want to try to get through the, our last two positions today and tomorrow. Today we're going to handle edge players and off-ball linebackers. And then tomorrow we're going to do the secondary and kind of jam safety and cornerback together. So, guys, let's start with edge players first. And in terms of the Giants roster, they sit here with two players that are edge players that are free agents currently. Kyler Fackrell who ended up being really, when he was healthy, their primary edge player once Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez got hurt. And then Jabal Shared, who was a situational pass rusher for the most part late in the year when he was brought in midseason after all those aforementioned injuries. So the Giants welcome or welcoming him back, Lorenzo Carter, and they're welcoming back O'Shane Zimenez. But after that, guys, it's kind of an open field here in terms of what the Giants' edge position will look like next year. Of course, folks, when I say edge, I'm talking outside linebackers on first and second down or running situations, and then sometimes on third down, those guys will put their hand in the dirt and they'll rush the passer. So, Paul, let's start with you. Anybody else on this roster jump out to the edge spot that's returning other than Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez? Yeah, you know, John, to me, I'm just... Uh... I'm looking at this. And Just I, say no. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, no. No, I'm, I'm not overly excited because, to me, I like Carter as a strong sideline backer, so I don't necessarily think you're going to get a lot of pass rush out of him the way that I would utilize him, although I would have him charge line and scrimmage more as a stand-up guy than he did uh, two years ago in his last healthy season. Having said that, I honestly don't know what the ceiling for Zimenez is. If I could be more confident of that, I would have an answer for you. But right now, he is the great unknown for me. I mean, that's like diving into the Bermuda Triangle and not knowing what you're going to see in the water. I would love to see you do that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, but that's how I feel. I, I Look, I like the kid. I think he's a really great young man. He's a terrific teammate. He knows he's got a lot to learn. He knows he was raw, you know, coming out of school. Um, but his his development was stunted by the injury last year. Is he potentially an eight or nine sack guy? I I don't know. 
I, I hope he is, but I don't know. Jeff, how do you view the combination of Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown? They're guys that played over the course of the year. Cam Brown, more of a special team, or Carter Coughlin got some snaps on defense late in the year. Then they kind of pulled back from him again the last couple of games after Fackrell came back. So how do you view those guys in terms of their role? And this is why I want to do edge and mm-hmm. linebacker on the same day, right? Because they kind yeah. of overlap on those spots a little bit. So how do you view their roles going forward? Well, I think that both of them proved that they belong um, in the know, league. They were, yeah, well, yeah. in the league, but you know, they were they were drafted later in in the draft. So I think they they had something to prove. And as you saw at the end of the season, those guys got a lot more playing time. So, um, and with Coach Judge, I think that's deserving. You know, as you go on, you're not just going to play unless you deserve to be in there. He'll tell you that. Um, with the other guys, I think that we kind of know what we're going to get out of them. We're just waiting for them to produce. I, I think that, that Carter is the one that, that I scratch my head at because I think this is a big year for him. Um, I think it's time for him to ascend. What's his um, I Oh, you mean Lorenzo Carter or Carter? Lorenzo Coughlin? Carter. Okay, yeah, Lorenzo Carter. Two um, Carters. I'm going to make yeah, sure you got right. the right one. No, yeah. <laughs> Lorenzo Carter. Um, and I think that Zimenez is another guy who's just a little bit raw still, you know, from Old Dominion that doesn't, doesn't, didn't play at a high, high level of college football. And I think that with the injury last year, um, so both of those guys have a lot to prove. They've got some depth behind them. And I think this is where we tar- start to talk about uh, free agents and we start to talk about the draft and improving those positions and seeing if they can bring in some guys to compete with them. Paul, you know, you're – yeah, go ahead, oh, Jeff. Paul, I just want to add this yeah, one please, thing, John. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that Brown is a terrific special teams player. I'm not sure that he's ever going to project to anything more than a spot player on the defense. Now, I think I do think he has the tools, Paul, if he can develop I, his I game disagree. to do I, it. I, I believe that, he, that he has some upside to him. I'm concerned about his speed and quickness. Okay. And and that, for me, is, is an issue because this game is just getting faster and faster and faster all the time. Well, Paul, I agree. I'm not sure he's a coverage guy, but I think he's a guy that can help you on first and second down. But I do, you know, and one thing that I think that you guys will agree with me here is that Patrick Graham understands, you know, what his deficiencies are. So he's going to put him in, in areas and on the field where he's going to succeed. So he's not, you know, if you don't think he can cover, he's not going to be in there on third down. So I think that let's 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 give him a chance to see what he can do with his hand in the dirt or and moving to that quarterback. But he's got a lot of work to do, and I agree with you there, Paul. But, Paul, well, if, well, you know, if your point, if, if I don't think it's fair to project him as a future, like, three-down starting linebacker. Of that, you're absolutely right. No argument from me. Yeah. Well, that was your original question, right? Yes, correct. What, what, uh-huh. where, is, where is the upside guy who might be able to excite you in that well, regard? And even upside, like, but what, like, what's the role? Because I feel like both Brown and Coughlin, we don't really know what their role is. Like, if they do become starters, what's their position? You know, how do you use them? I think this is stuff that's kind of up in the air a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I, I think that Carter Coughlin, to me, between him and Brown— Carter Coughlin, for me, is the guy who I'm a little more intrigued by. Me too. I would would say this, yeah. I I kind of think if between the two of them, Carter Coughlin has a better chance of being a three-down linebacker than Brown. And and in some regard, and I – boy, I I really hesitate to say this because, you know – the guy when he got to the Giants, he he, he was all done. Um, the guy from the Rams that they signed two years ago. Oh wait, you mean the guy from um, from Philly? From he Philly. was in Philly. From Philly. Oh yeah, the guy who did all the spin moves in training yeah. camp, but he looked good. But we just realized the offensive yeah. tackles were oh, bad. Oh my good, come uh, on, Jeff, help <laughs> us. Connor Barwin. Connor Barwin. Connor Thank you, Barwin. Jeff. There yep, you go. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I see him as that type of player. Now same body reach, type. Good call. Right. Yeah. 
So exactly. but now the and and he's got moves too. He he does work hard and he's got moves and he's a blue collar guy and he looks like he's got the potential to be an overachiever. Well, Connor Barwin was that kind of player. And by the way, Coughlin also tested off the charts at the combine. Yes. Too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I mean I'm saying Carter Coughlin tested off the charts, not Connor Barwin. I'm sorry. Right, Carter. right. But but yeah. that's why I see them as very similar guys. All right. Barwin just a little bit bigger, but I see them as yep. very similar kind of players. Now, Connor Barwin had some really good years in this league. So if if Coughlin can can reach that full potential, maybe he could be a three down backer. Yeah, I think it's possible. I think he has the athleticism to do it. I think on third downs, I see him more of a pass rusher than I see him as a coverage guy, as a blitzer, right. or someone that you send off the edge. And I think he's really like, you know, he's kind of round peg, round hole, I think, as a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think that's kind of just what he's going to be in the NFL. I think that's his fit. So I do think with the giant scheme, that works. All right, Paul, you mentioned Zimenez. I'm with you. I still like his raw pass rush potential. I think he has moves. I still wonder about his strength. I think he's got the quickness and the hands. I'm just not sure about the power to hold up on the edge for long periods of time. And as for Lorenzo Carter, and I'd like to get your guys' take on this. You know, to me, he's a really good linebacker, but I don't think he's a really good pass rusher yet. And the problem you run into is that these outside linebackers in the 3-4, in a lot of ways, you need them to be both. You need them to be able to rush the passer, and you need them to be able to, to do the other things you want linebackers to do. I almost think Carter, in his ideal situation, if I was to create in a laboratory, his best spot would be a 4-3 outside linebacker. I think that's where he would be uh, the best in his role. I think he'd be very good in that spot. But that's not a spot that really exists on the Giants' defense, per se. So I think he's a really good player. I just wonder, you know, how they see him. Because when he got hurt in those first couple games, he was playing as more snaps than he was playing as many snaps as, like, the safeties on the team. He was playing, like, 90% of the snaps. Pass rusher, mm-hmm. off-ball guy, or rather on-the-line guy, um, but not a pass rusher on first and second down. So I think he can do a little bit of everything. I'm just not sure he's that guy that you're going to depend, Jeff, on third down to get after the quarterback. Well, I think his off-the-ball uh, speed is good. I think that um, – I just think that he plays too high, if you will. I, and I think that he gets caught up with those big, big tackles – um, and they basically smother him. I don't know how many different moves he has to get to the quarterback, and I think that, that that's what stops him, and I think it's a good point you make, John, because maybe he is in the wrong system. Maybe he, is, maybe he should be a 4-3 outside guy, but, but the fact of the matter is that they're going to have to find a way for him to get better, um, if not because I think the ceiling is, is pretty close to him right now. I have not seen a great jump that I thought that Lorenzo Carter would have from year two to three. Now we need to see it from three to four. How about you, Certainly. Paul? Well, there wasn't enough evidence last year to mm-hmm. show it. I, I thought he had a hell of a camp. He was starting was, to come into his own, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. I was looking forward to it. And then yep. we just didn't get enough of a body of work for, out of him. And, you know, the bottom line is I thought he was wasted in James Betcher's system. You know, I was sick and tired of seeing him with his hand in the dirt all the time. And they were making him a rush linebacker. And he was not getting any penetration. And he was not getting any kind of pass rush because he doesn't have any great slick pass rushing moves. Mm-hmm. And they basically they wasted him. Every time on third down when they put his hand down in the dirt, they were playing with 10 men on, on defense because he, he was not fit for that spot, and they took him out of his wheelhouse. Right, and that goes back to my point, right? Better linebacker than a pass Without rusher. Without a doubt. Right. 
without a doubt. And see, I think I would agree with you, John, in that I think he's a better strong side 4-3 linebacker than he is anything else. Having said that, I do think he can play strong side linebacker in a 3-4 as more of a point of attack guy, a guy who goes down the line and chases down running backs, a guy who holds the edge, uh, a guy who can really give tight ends if they want him to. And I'd love to see him have a class with Carl Banks and beat the living hell out of the tight end who lines up opposite him because nobody does that in this league anymore, and it needs to be done. And, Car- and uh, Carter can do that. I agree. And that's that to me. I, I'd love to to get him in my laboratory. I would I would get the best out of Lorenzo Carter. I'm, trust me. I'm with you, Paul. I think that would be the best way to use him if you were going to try to figure out a role for him. And you know, we talked Paul a lot in December about what this free agent edge class was going to look at look like. And now we're talking mostly pass rushers here because the Giants, as we know, could use a more consistent pass rush off the edge. And actually, in my opinion, I think the class is actually pretty deep. You know, you don't have that super-duper star at the top after you get by Shaq Barrett, who I think is, you know, maybe not, you know, a top-five pass rusher, but at the very least a, a, a top-10 or 15 guy in the league. Then you have J.J. Watt, who obviously is, is an older guy. He's going to be looking for a team that's going to compete for a Super Bowl. Jadavian Clowney, we're not going to relitigate him. We talked about him enough last offseason. I think people know what we feel about him. Yannick Ngakwe, another guy we talked a lot about last year. But then you get to the group hall that I think is interesting. Like, to me, a guy like Carl Lawson coming from Cincinnati, I remember I watched him a lot heading into that Cincinnati game, preparing for that game last year. He, to me, as a third-down pass rusher, was very impressive. He's a guy where if the cost isn't prohibitive, I think he'd be a great fit as an edge rusher in passing situations on this Giants defense. Then you have a couple of veterans. Melvin Ingram is a guy who's kind of on tail end, might be a little bit strong, but he's been in the league a while. He's dealt with some injuries. Bud Dupree, who mm-hmm. is another guy. But, again, I'm not the biggest fan of his. Leonard Floyd, I think you worry about his stat inflation playing next to Aaron Donald last year. We saw that with Dante Fowler a couple years ago, right? He plays next to Aaron Donald. He's great. He leaves all of a sudden not so great. Trey Hendrickson, a guy from the Saints who had double-digit sacks last year. Nobody talks about him. 270 pounds. Bigger guy. He's somebody I think is interesting. Matthew Judon's probably going to get a big big contract. How about Hassan Reddick? Is he a guy that can be a situational pass rusher for you on third downs if you ask him to rush the passer? That's someone that would interest me. So I do think there are some guys here, and we talked about the market this year with the cap where it might be down. Some of these second-level rushers like the Carl Lawsons, like the Hendricksons, like the Reddicks, those are guys that I think could actually provide Jeff some value in free agency if you get them on the right contract. 100%. And it's all a matter of money. You know, what is the team going to be able to afford for some of these guys that you uh, that you mentioned from top to bottom? I mean, a Matthew Judon, he's, you know, he's a guy I see like I like him. I think he could fit into the Giants uh, real nicely and not command a whole, whole lot of money. Alden Smith is another guy that we could we could talk about a little bit, but um, I think that it, the real question here, John, is is it all about economics. Where is the money going to be to to sign one of these edge guys, or do is it do we go to the draft and and try to find somebody through there? So, um, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm definitely looking at these guys um, because you know free agency is where you fill your needs. 
and you don't do that through the draft, right? But so where is your need? There is a need for an edge guy after what we just talked about of the current roster. So it'll be interesting to see where the Giants go as far as their money and how they can afford any of these guys that we just talked about. Paul, your I, thoughts on the free agent? I, I, I'm going to give you real quick. Sure. Th- like I, I, I like Bud Dupree. I think he's a guy that he's – I feel like he always has to prove something. And I think that the way I watched him play this year, especially against the Giants, um, I think he's got something to prove. And I think that he's a guy that maybe if they, you know, were to structure his contract in a way that he could be affordable, I, I like him a lot. Now I remember, really he, he is coming off a torn ACL as well. Yep, but so. I, I think that he's. But I love his energy. I think he's a guy that I wouldn't worry about that as long as I can get the assurance from the doctors that he's going to be okay. And it might um, actually bring his deal down where he's affordable too. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And Trey Hendricks is another one that I think has a, a tremendous upside. He had a great year this last year. Um, really shot up as far as the numbers go as rankings. But um, so that's, that's my take on the edge guys for uh, the free agency class. Paul, your thoughts? I don't see the Steelers letting Dupree get away. But if he is, I would if like he, If he does get away, and mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of numbers it's going to take. Because... Remember, Paul, the Steelers' salary cap is a mess. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. Um Boy, I, I, I like Dupree, and had he not gotten hurt, he would have gotten mega bucks, and, and I think it would have been harder for the Steelers to keep him. But now mm-hmm. that he's coming off of the injury, they may be able to retain him at more of a discounted rate, and I think it just enhances the chances that he stays. Um, I, I'm a big Bud Dupree guy, and actually back in September, I was looking at him when the Giants played them opening day and saying to myself, boy, he'd be a hell of a fit if they could get him in free agency. So let me just say that first, Jeff. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. The other guy, and this just proves that sometimes a leopard can change his spots, and I can be proven wrong at times. You will recall, (laughs) fellas, that Leonard Floyd is a guy I wanted no part of when he came out of the draft and was taken by the Bears in 2016. I thought he was a one-dimensional pass rusher who was light in, in, in uh, in the behind, did not show a lot of anchor, did not show a lot of interest in playing the run, and I was so thrilled that the Giants did not wind up with him, despite the fact that many newspapers in this market really yeah, thought that close. he was the perfect guy. And I was like, you've got to be kidding well, I remember me. Remember, a team traded it's up like, ahead of the Giants to pick him. That's them. right, to get him, right. They were one Correct. pick away. Yep. Now, having said that, he had his four years in Chicago, did not live up to expectations, got some money from the Rams, and went there for a year and now voided out of his deal after a a ten-and-a-half sack season. John, the Leonard Floyd that I saw this past season with the Rams, and yes, of course, Aaron Donald is on that line. I understand that. But the Giants have a pretty damn good defensive line themselves. I saw Leonard Floyd that was much more interested in playing the run than he had been in the past, did show horizontal uh, movability or movement, to come down the line and get involved in the run game and chase guys a little bit more than he had shown before. And at the same time, I also saw a guy who I thought had elevated his game as a pass rusher as well. I think he is so much better of a player at age 28 than he was at age 24. And I would very much think he would be the perfect fit for the Giants right now. Interesting. All right, let's 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 go to the draft class very quickly because we still have to hit off-ball linebackers very fast. And while I don't think there's a guy at 11 that would get me excited, if I'm picking a pass rusher here at the end of the first round, I do think there are some interesting guys with some tools 
even if they don't have a ton of production. Like, Rousseau's the guy we've talked about a lot. 15 sacks two years ago, opted out. We won't spend a ton of time on him. I, I watched Quiddy pay for Michigan on tape. His athleticism and burst and power is very impressive. Jason Oway from Penn State, just pure speed rusher. He's very raw, but boy, his athleticism is off the charts. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, who's only 240 pounds, but is a 3-4 outside backer. He played for Georgia last year. He was a very effective pass rusher. And then the last guy I'll mention, I've got a few guys for the second round, but, and Jeff, you should be familiar with him. Jalen. Jalen Phillips out of Miami. I got to tell you, if you just watch the tape, he's my favorite pass rusher in this class. Mm -hmm. The problem is that he's had concussion issues in the past. He actually retired from football for a year. Came back and only has had one dominant year, and that was this year from Miami. And he was dominant. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of that other medical health off the field stuff that you have to worry about with him. So I do think there's actually some players to pick at this spot, but I think it's a lot of high-risk guys with either one year of production or some other things where you say, all right, there's things I have to worry about, but I do think there are some edge rushers here with some upside, Jeff, in this class. Yep, again, I think that it's um, when you start going through the draft and you're looking at these guys here, um, how are they going to fit into your scheme? The two guys that you mentioned to Miami, um, I got to see more than any of them. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think Jalen Phillips is a little bit more proven than Gregory Rousseau because he sat out and he hasn't played for uh, a year. Um, but, you know, uh, Quiddy Payne is a guy that's not going to be there for the Giants at 11. I think he'll be gone way before that because I think he's obviously the number one edge guy there. Um, but all of these guys bring something that the Giants would like. And I, I just don't – you know, I'm not, I'm not into – oh, boy, what should I say this? I, if – I did take Gregory Rousseau in my PFF mock draft and got ridiculed by the computer for doing it. But um, I'm into taking one of these edge guys in the draft. It's just a matter of which one of these guys are going to be there, John. But I, I, I will, I would take one of these edge guys. Um, it just depends on which receiver is there, and I'm going to have to make a decision. And round, is, you, 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 uh, you're talking about a round two now, right? I'm or talking round about it, no. I'm talking about the top of the top mm, of the round. One. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard a Paul rumble. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> I would have a hard time doing that, Jeff. Yeah, me too. You hear what I said, though? It just depends. If there's a receiver up there, somebody that I, you know, the one of the big playmaker guys that we talk about, I'm not going to take an edge rusher. Well, I mean, if you those and, guys, you are, and I are on the same page here. If Pitts is there at 11, I think we're grabbing him. Well, I think even if there's a receiver there at 11, they're going to take him too, a Waddle or uh, you know Devontae. But I, I think that if one of these, if, if if those playmakers and John and I were talking about this the other day, that those playmakers are all gone, and there's nobody left there that can you know offensively, where are you going to go next? I'm going to the defensive line and to the edge rusher, and I'm going to find me one of these guys because I can well, afford them. I can afford them. Part of the problem here for me is that, and, and I've done only preliminary work on this particular position, I see a lot of guys who are second and third round values, and I think these are a bunch of boom or bust guys. Well, yeah, that was think, my but point. The, guys, right? that, Paul, the guys that Paul just mentioned, do you think these guys are all second, these are all second round guys, you think? Oh, there's, there's going to be guys who are going to be taken in the first round, again, because it's a premier position. Everybody wants a pass rusher like everybody wants a quarterback. So there are going to be guys drafted higher than their risk factor indicates they should be. Okay, Rousseau's going to be taken higher than he should be, Jeff. Yep. Even though there's a huge risk there, somebody's going to say, wow, his upside is awesome. We're going to take him based on his upside projection. Sure, sure. That's the problem. 
So, yeah, you're right. There's going to be probably three or four of these guys that are going to be taken in the first round. What about you, John? Based you, on upside you, are, projection. Here's what I, I would say one other thing. I, I don't know. I would kind of stay away from any of these guys in the first round. But here's what I will say. It will not shock me at all if we find out two and three years down the road that the guy who was taken in the third or fourth round winds up being the best pass rusher out of the class. It would not shock me. I agree with Paul that this is a high-risk edge Mm -hmm. class. I do believe that there are guys with high-end ability that could hit, but I also agree that that guy could get picked 17th or he could get picked 45th depending uh, on the guy. Like, you have guys like Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma, uh, Peyton Turner out of Houston. I mean, there are guys that have a lot of ability because most of these guys only have one year of production and some in limited number of games. So I do think it's hard to kind of to, to figure it out. My opinion is that you will have four or five edge guys selected between picks... 10 and 35, mm-hmm. whether they deserve to be there. I think I haven't done enough work to, to have my big board or anything like that. But I think, for to Paul's point, it's such a value position that I think uh, those guys will go sure. that high. All right, 973-667-1960. We'll do off-ball linebackers here very quickly. Then we'll get to the calls. Ryan in Virginia, you will be up first. I promise you that. We'll go through the off-ball linebackers very, very quickly here. But first, I'll remind everybody that limited giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, guys, for the Giants, off-ball linebacker, Blake Martinez. You know what he is. Solid as a rock. Good player. Then you have Tay Crowder, who kind of emerged as the second guy, as the secondary starter. I do think there's still room to improve that second linebacker spot. But just generally, guys, and we'll start with you, Jeff. How do you view that second linebacker spot? Because Tay Crowder played that spot a little bit on passing downs. It was kind of Jabril Pepper's spot. And you had those other safeties playing behind them with Peppers as a virtual linebacker. So I don't think that second linebacker spot next to Martinez is all that critical. Simply because on those money downs, on those passing downs, Peppers is in that spot a lot. So I'm not sure you need a guy that ha- that needs to be able to play three downs in that second inside linebacker spot. Good point. I think that one of them has to be good enough to be your starter in case Blake Martinez goes out. That's a good point. Um, but the other point is, is that I think that Crowder is going to be penciled in as your guy. I saw enough out of him that I think that, that Coach Graham will play him there. Um, what I'm concerned about is the depth. And, you know, the depth involves special teams guys because those, that linebacker position, they're, they're blanketed on special teams. You know, and, and so and Crowder also played special teams. You got T.J. Brunson was another guy, and, and David Mayo, is he going to be back? Devontae Downs I thought had a, had a down, <laughs> no pun intended, a kind of a down year. So to me, this is a position that has to be upgraded in a sense of depth-wise. But I, I will agree with you, but a Tay Crowder, I think, will be the other guy next to him in those first and second downs. But um, if you're going to bring him in on passing downs, then you'll have a safety in there, like you said. So it's interesting because you're looking at this. Uh, now, can Carter Coughlin play a little bit of middle Bingo. linebacker? You know, so <laughs> you're reading my mind, Jeff. There we go. So I think that that might have something to do with a little bit of depth there. But they definitely are going to have to find, you know, another player or two to fulfill that roster 
um, as far as depth and special teams because you're going to be losing some of these guys if Carter Coughlin and Tay Crowder and you know Cam Brown those guys are all playing um, starting or playing a lot of snaps on defense you're going to lose them on special teams Paul yeah I think the thing with Carter is again I, I could project that he could be an outside guy but I also think uh, they may try this year during training camp to work him inside, too, to see how well he can adapt to that role. Well, Paul, if you and remember, they actually said, I think it was, what, week five that. or six last year that they were going to start working him on yes. inside in practice. They did. Mm-hmm. But but I never got to see much of that because practice was basically closed. Well, to Paul, us the problem the is that it was at that point that all the edge players got hurt. Yes. And, and, and then I think that ended that experiment because they needed him outside. Correct. So I would like to believe that he's going to get a legitimate chance to either win a job, if not on the outside, and maybe because of the competition with Zimenez and maybe somebody else that they bring in, maybe they decide, you know what? Hey, Carter, there's a better chance that you're going to get on the field more and earlier if we let you compete on the inside. Oh, and you so, know him. He, he's not going to care where he plays, Paul. He'll play not. anywhere. Mm-hmm. So he's going to say, let's go, coach. Give me, give me the snaps. <laughs> and it would not shock me if he was able to win a job on the inside next to Blake Martinez. That would not shock me at all. No, it wouldn't shock me either. And I actually like his upside there. I think he can do it with his athleticism. And for that reason, I don't think the Giants guys are going to be that active in free agency at, yeah. at inside linebacker. I just no. I just don't not see Not of it. any of the guys that are there that, that you would think that they would no, be interested in. No, and just so people know who they are, top of the board free agent market, Levante David, Matt Milano, Jayon Brown, K.J. Wright, Denzel Perryman. I don't see the Giants dipping into that pool. And grabbing one of those guys. No. And the draft is interesting. And, and we could start with Michael Parsons, guys, because I think he's the one guy that, that isn't in the mix at 11. Linebackers are tough to evaluate to me. You have to watch a lot of film on a linebacker to get a feel for the type of player he is. Because you need to see his feel for the position and things like that. And you don't get that from just watching you know, a, a bunch of passes defended or a bunch of pass rushes. You kind of really got to get a feel for it. I probably watched about an hour and change of his stuff this morning. What I like about him is that he can do the two things you want from a linebacker. He's athletic enough to run sideline to sideline, and he's not afraid to take on contact in the hole to stop the run. So if you can do those two things, you can be a three-down linebacker in the league. I got to admit, it didn't. the tape didn't jump off and, like, wow me. I wasn't, like, falling off my chair like, oh, man, this is, like, the most impressive stuff I've ever seen. But he does have three-down linebacker potential. And I would understand why he would be in the mix there at number 11. Yeah, but here's the problem, John. Um, when you match the need component with the value component, he kind of loses a little ground. I'm, I'm with you. See, I look at Parsons, and he is one of the, the linebackers I have actually had a chance to look at so far. Uh, he is going to be, for me, to get maximum value out of his potential, he's got to be a middle linebacker in a 4-3 or an inside backer in a 3-4. He has to play Blake Martinez's position is basically mm-hmm. what you're okay. saying. Because he's a tackling machine. Like that. And, right. <laughs> now, there are some people who hear him and they go, oh, and maybe they haven't watched him play a lot, and that's possible. But I hear people saying, oh, take 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 Parsons, play him as outside linebacker. I, he's going to rush the quarterback. I heard that too, and then I watched him this morning. and I It's did not, not a good I, idea. I did not see that at all. You, I'm with you, you. You're misusing him. 100%. This, and you'd make the same mistake that, that they did with Lorenzo Carter a couple of years ago. Don't take a, a square peg and try to fit it into a round hole just because you think he's going to be a great player. That, that would be a mistake. 
And that's my problem with Parsons. Now, if they take Parsons at 11 and say, okay, you're going to line up next to Blake Martinez, and the two of you guys are going to dominate because you're going to stuff everything between the tackles and you're going to have Parsons running sideline to sideline, well, that's great. It's a tremendous upgrade, and he's a terrific player. But I just don't think he fits their their need as well as I would like the number 11 pick to fit. Jeff? No, 100%. I, I just don't think that, number one, I don't think he'll be there, but I think that he will fit into a nice, a nice system somewhere else. But I think that for the Giants' purposes, you've got enough at that. I think Blake Martinez, you went out and got him, paid him a lot of money. He produced. Um, I think he will always continue to produce, but I still think there's duplication with these two guys at that position. I do think in the second round there's a couple interesting coverage guys that are good in coverage that you could think about. Jabril Cox out of LSU, Justin Hilliard of Ohio State, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. Guys that I think, all right, I could see these guys being you know helpful as coverage guys, but again, I think that overlaps with what you're getting out of Peppers in those third down situations. So I just I'm just not sure that the inside off ball linebacker is going to be a huge priority given the young guys they drafted last year, the presence of Blake Martinez. I just don't think that's going to be high on their list of oh we really need to add one of these guys. Yeah, I think that I think the the, the group that's here now there's plenty of, of, of ability to improve. There's a lot of competition there. And I think that they, if they're going to do this, John, I think they'll do it later um, to yeah. be to kind of guys come in here and let that person come in here, play some special teams, and push these other guys. And I do like Jabril Cox as a guy that you had mentioned from LSU. Um, you know, a guy that can cover. He, I, I watched a little bit of tape on him. He's got good speed. He's good, good height, six foot four. And so, you know, and he's, I guess he's. I'm looking at the PFF rank right now. He's 45th um, on the big board for PFF. So. That's a second round guy, maybe maybe a third round, you know, so maybe he has some value there for the Giants. Who knows? Yeah. And Paul, to me, this is actually and you don't hear this very often about the position It's actually a pretty deep off ball linebacker class. If you want to get somebody third, fourth round, you could probably get a pretty decent player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would suspect as much too, John. And also, I think what you said a minute or so ago about the usage and how the Giants really would only have that guy maybe be on the field for for a couple of downs. Look. I think that Tate Crowder and the analytics people can go jump in a lake because Tate Crowder showed me something last year, and I don't care what kind of grading system they're using. They didn't watch football. Tate Crowder did some very impressive things last year just as a rookie, showed enough of flashes to get me excited about him that he could definitely help in that fashion. Now, having said that, okay, here's the other thing to keep in mind. I would not be surprised – Given what Patrick Graham's uh, interest is in mixing up things defensively, we talked about this a little bit last year as speculation, and it really didn't come to fruition because of some of the injuries they had. But, John, would it surprise you at all if we saw some more dime and quarters defenses where you saw extra defensive backs on the field? And might there be times when Martinez – is the only linebacker on the field? I think we saw that a lot in the last year, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Out of mm -hmm. necessity, he did some of that only because he had to. But I'm talking about might he work that in as a regular part yes. of his season-long rotation? Yes, I believe that is. And that was a point I was trying to make, right, where Peppers is almost your quasi-second linebacker. Okay, so, yeah. you know, and remember now, McKinney's supposed to be healthy all season. Right, so you'd have McKinney and Logan as your safeties. Maybe Julian Love's on the field, too. The hell knows. And then Absolutely. Is there, so. yeah. it's, it, it is definitely possible that you could have five or even six 
and you know, defensive backs on the field in, in, a, in a lot of different formations on a lot of these weeks, not just because out of necessity they were so desperate in a situation where they had to throw guys out there. I could see him using that as part of his regular scheme. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by the new X series of scratch-offs in the New York Lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. All right, let's go to the phones at 973-667-1960. Ryan in Virginia has been patient. We get to him right now. Ryan, what's going on, pal? What's going on, John, Jeff, and Paul? Hope everybody and their families are doing well. We are. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. No problem, man. Hey, just... Got a got a couple of points I want to make um, about the draft. Um, you brought up the linebacker from from LSU, Jabril Cox. Uh, I am a big fan of him. Obviously, LSU has a good track record with linebackers with Deion Jones, Quan Alexander, Devin White, Patrick Queen. I can go on and on and on. But um, when it comes to the draft, I think the Giants are actually in a pretty decent spot. Um, as far as obviously, Dave Gettleman said he wants to get. A playmaker. Um, the way I look at, it, I think the Giants have three, three options. Well, th- I guess three, like a, an A, a B, a C. Obviously, if uh, I don't think, I don't believe that um, Chase or Smith makes it past five or six. Uh, now with Pitts, eh, it's 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 hard to tell. Um, and obviously, if he's there at eleven, I think they just need to hustle to the podium or make that call in as soon as possible. <laughs> um, Waddle. Um, Honestly, Waddle, uh, I'll, I think he honestly reminds me of Odell Beckham once the ball is in his hand. Yeah, a little he's bit. He's electric, um, but obviously he's primarily in the slot, so obviously you got Sterling Shepard there. Um, so I can kind of see why people are kind of hesitant on Waddle. Um, if all four of those playmakers are gone, I think they need to focus their next um, priority on the offensive line. Obviously, if those four players are not there, that means there's a there's a solid chance that you know Panay Sewell might be there, um, Rashawn Slater, Slater mm-hmm. um, Elijah Vera Tucker, but I think he's kind of later on in the first. Yeah. And uh, the the offensive lineman from B Tech, I think, is it Christian Darisol? Yep, I believe. that's his name. You got um, it. Now the third one, um, and I, I like to get you guys' take on this one. Obviously, I believe that um, I think the I think three quarterbacks are going in the top ten. Obviously, left. Trevor Lawrence won, um, Zach Wilson's going to be there, and then Justin Fields. I have a feeling um, that Trey Lance is going to slide just because of, obviously, he's had one year at the FCS level. Um, obviously, he's got the, the size, the arm, and all the tools needed to be a, a fantastic quarterback. Um, same thing was said about Dwayne Haskins, but he only started four years. You kind of saw how that went. But if he falls past 10 and obviously you know how people are nowadays about oh you got to find that quarterback if you're there you need to trade up for him I think there are I think the Giants are actually in a prime position to trade back with two teams um obviously the the Patriots everybody knows about the the judge and um Belichick connection um don't know what you can get. Um, don't know if you – obviously you can get the one. Don't know if you can get like a um, a, a two or a three or like a future two and three. Um, obviously I don't know how the, the draft points and stuff works like that. 
but um, I actually have a wild card team that I think the Giants would be interested. Obviously, this is all speculation. Obviously, you got to see how free agency, free agency and stuff works out. But I wouldn't be surprised if now you got to kind of have to listen to my, <laughs> listen to what I'm saying here. But I think a team that that could be really interested in trading back or um, trading picks with the Giants could be the Raiders, and this is why. They are about $8 million over in the cap. Obviously, Derek Carr is about a $22 million cap hit. All of his guaranteed money has is, is all been paid. So with the Raiders having to find a way to, to shed contracts, even they could even trade Derek Carr. I don't know what his trade value would be. I would, I would at least say like a two or a three. Now, Ryan, I will say this. Um, I, I had an interview on the huddle with – um, Adam Kaplan the other day, and he said that the Raiders really don't have any interest on even trading Derek Carr at this point. So I understand where you're going with it. I totally get your perspective. It makes sense from a logical point of view. Based on all the reports, it doesn't sound like the Raiders want to move on from Carr right now. Uh, that's a, well, I guess they, uh, well, at the same time, too, even though their contract does, his contract does go through 2022, I believe, Obviously, in John Gruden, he is obviously he makes all the moves and stuff like that. He had a fantastic year. There could be a possibility, and at the same time, they do need help at edge. I could see them. Obviously, this is a hypothetical flipping picks with the Giants, and I don't know if they're in love with like potentially like Rousseau and or somebody of that nature, but if if that trade were to potentially happen, what do you think the Giants could get in return from going from 18 to 11? And then with that being said, if they made that trade, I don't think they, the Giants would trade with Washington because I don't think they would do an individual trade. That, Isn't that would be Vegas awful. 17, though? Yeah. You said 18 a second ago. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, 17, 17 to 11, the, the trade value chart indicates that Vegas would have to give the Giants their number two. Yeah. Perfect. No, no, no future round picks or anything like that. Well, you could I mean, always no, tweak no the chart pick. a little bit. I mean, the chart yeah. is not gospel. I think moving from seventeen to eleven, I think a fair value is a two. I think that's fair value. Okay, and, and with and with that being said, um, at that seventeen spot, the Giants could still be able to address the O line because I think um, Barrett Tucker most likely would still be available. Or if you felt that confident in a guy like a like a Rashad Bateman, or um, since you have those those two those two, I don't I don't feel as confident in like a Kadarius Tony because uh, even though he's considered like a weapon, I think the Giants need uh, an X receiver, That's um, a guy that you that you that you can put on the outside uh, to complement everybody else, and. You could get yourself an O-lineman, and then on top of that, you would get yourself two second-rounders to, obviously, if you go with an offensive weapon in the first round, you could beef up that that mm-hmm. O-line, maybe a Alex Leatherwood, or I don't know if there's any other guards. Or I know you guys were talking about potentially moving Nick Gates over the guard. You can grab yourself a Creed Humphrey, who's uh, probably the best center in the draft. So uh, just want to get you guys' take on – that type of potential, and then also too, kind of what what would you get with um, 
if they happen to trade with the Patriots. Do you think you can get yourself another two? I think that's tight 10 to 15. I think that's what you ask for. And if the Patriots are trading up to get a quarterback that they really like, Ryan, I think that's what you make them give to you. And thanks a lot for the call. We appreciate it. A lot to chew on there. The more I've thought about it, I am totally in on being captain trade down this year. Um, unless one of those four you know, receiver weapons are there that we've talked about so much, I would be fine. Because to me, the guy I'm getting at 11 – if you're picking a defensive guy, isn't going to be that much different in terms of the quality of guy you're going to get at like even 20, in my opinion. Uh, I would not like missing out on a guy like Rashawn Slater, but I'm all about that. If you don't have one of those guys you love there at 11, I'd be all about trading down. And to Ryan's point, I think that becomes a possibility if one of those top four quarterbacks slip through the top 10, which is not impossible, and a team maybe wants to get ahead of the 49ers who pick right after the Giants at 12 when they were afraid the Niners might want to take Garoppolo's heir apparent so, or for flat-out replacement, depending on who they select. So I'm about trading down. Um, I, I'm guessing that you guys aren't going to be quite as excited about that as I am um, if one of those top four weapons aren't there. Jeff? Well, I told you the other day, John, that one of the mock drafts that I looked at, they had Panay Sewell dropping to 11. So, well, again, I, I was, I'm, I'm assuming that yeah. th those four weapons and Sewell are not going to be on the board. If that's the case, and I know that I can go down and get who I think I'm going to, you know, that I want or a position that I want, I'm all for it because uh, I think that you, the more draft picks you can get, and you're not dropping, I don't think we're, you know, I'm not interested in going from 11 down to 25, 26. I think we talked about this the last time all three of us together. I will tap it at 20 for you, Jeff. No further than the okay. Bears. See, I'm, I'm, and I, I know Paul's going to agree with me because I remember he said this last time we talked. I'm all four or five, maybe the top, maybe six down. But I'm not going any further than that. And it's got to be a second rounder. Definitely got a second. Which, by the way, if the, with the, the, um, the switch that we just talked about, the caller, you know, you could get that 42nd pick, and then you would have – then I think it was down to the 48th pick. So you would have three three picks in the top 48 positions if you did that trade with the Raiders. And that would be pretty good in my opinion. Boy, I got a couple things here that just There's a lot really, of different things we can do here. Yeah, but, there, you know, <laughs> there, there are two things that really stuck out like a sore thumb when he was discussing all these things. Now, first of all, in terms of the Giants and the Patriots making a deal, I know I think it was all three of us on the show last week when we talked about the kind of trade value that it would require. It would be, it would be multiple picks involved. You'd have to go back into the archive and listen to it, but we came up with something that made sense. Now, I would first of all, I would actually milk the Raiders and tell them I also want their fifth. Okay. I'm going to get their second and their fifth because I'd like to get that fifth rounder back, even though I'm a huge Leonard Williams fan and that mm -hmm. trade was a great trade and I love it. I have no uh, reservations about it. I still would like to see the Giants pick up a fifth-round pick somehow, especially with the depth in this draft. And by the way, I don't see the Raiders moving up, so I don't no. think they're a realistic pick. But if, they, if, if, if for the caller's sake, yes. he wants a deal – I want the Raiders number two, and I want their number five to move from 11 to 17. Um, now, he, here's the other part of, of what I immediately had the knee-jerk reaction on. First of all, I'm not talking to anybody about any trades until I'm on the clock because I would absolutely split my head in half against a brick wall if I traded that 11th pick and Kyle Pitts fell to 11. Well, yeah, I don't think you would make that move until you're on the clock, though, okay. right? 
I no, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Some people might, but I'm not. No, I wouldn't either. I'm with you on that. Okay, so that's first. I'm waiting till I'm on the clock because Fegels and I are both going to get on a supersonic jet up to the podium to grab Kyle Pitts if he's there at eleven. Hey, I'm on the jet with you. Are you Come on? on. Are you, let did, me did, on did you the commit jet. to that? I want to be on the jet. Yeah. You Come committed on, on that. Yeah. Right. John, John, John isn't as confident as you and I are that he'll be there. That's the thing. I think it's real iffy, Jeff, but, but I probably iffy. have a little more confidence than, than John does about it. I do think he could potentially slip down there. It's because gonna be remember, close. It is going to be well, close. I think it's more likely that Waddle or Smith are there than Pitts. That, that's the point that I, that I make. You just hope that nothing happens like when Leonard Floyd. Remember everybody was talking about him and yeah, what right? we talked about earlier, and all of a sudden somebody trades up and they to grab me, Pitts one before you? Pitts is, <laughs> Pitts, right. is, Pitts is such an outlier freak show, I think someone's going to pounce on him. That's right. Now, here, here is the, the other thing that just stuck out like a sore thumb to me. At no time during the caller's conversation did he bring up corner. Yeah, and I know. Farley and Sertan are by far – and I'm talking about by far. You're jumping off a cliff in the middle of Colorado to get to the next level of corners in this draft. Some people really like J.C. Horn, Paul. I have Do not they? watched. I'm, I'm going to watch corners tomorrow morning in preparation for our show tomorrow. But a lot of people like that J.C. Horn to be a top 20, top 25 pick. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I have not heard that, and I have not looked at him. Uh, the consensus seemed to be it was two guys. But if you want to squeeze the third guy in there, the point is that – there's value. I think even if you say that Horn's a top 25, he's not, or a top 20, he's not an 11. There are a lot of people who think that Farley and Sertan have top 12 value. So I'm inclined to, to believe that, and value certainly meets need there for me. I would not be so quick to trade out of 11 thinking that I might be able to get myself a shutdown corner. I don't see, that's the thing, I'm not confident that either one of those guys are shutdown corners. I think they'll be good corners. That doesn't mean they're shutdown corners. You know what I mean? There's a difference. Like, mm, like yeah, like, shutdown corner is Deion Sanders. Okay, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll go. I'll go with you there. Well, how well, about well, Justin well, Sherman? There's well, not a lot of them. Well, for example, know? I like if like, how confident. And again, I'm, I haven't watched these guys yet, so I'm just going off what I've read about them. What if I'm only fifty percent sure that they're going to make a Pro Bowl? No, no, you've got to be sure at eleven. No matter who you pick, you've got to be sure about that guy. And the Giants, I would think, because of Sertan playing at Alabama, I would think that Joe Judge knows one way or the other what Saban thinks about him. That's true. And and what they believe he's going to be. And if and if, and if you know, and Saban's not going to BS Joe Judge. We know that he's not going to do it. No, he will know if Sertan's the guy or not. He that will is know. True. Yes. And so if they take Sertan, that's because they believe. He's got a ticket to the Pro Bowl at some time within the next two years. They they they're going to have total mm. conviction in him. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Just want to remind everybody that the Giants Podcast Network is presented by Investors Bank. Don't forget to get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. Back to the calls. Call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? John. Yes. Oh, hi. It's uh, Jimmy from Rose Hill. How are you? Jimmy, what's up, man? How are you? Hello. Hi, Jim. Hey, guys. How are you? You know, you, st- you stay on the call long enough. I got all these notes written down, and like you guys have ticked them right off. Taking all my art. That's what makes our show so good. <laughs> you guys are right spot on. Um, 
So, John, I guess the consensus is that that uh, Parsons, even though PFF had him as like one of their top nine, you think it's you just think it's because of the scheme. No, 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 Parsons... no, no. I think Parsons is a really good player. Um, look again, I have not done like the like a super deep dive on him yet. But I think most people really think he's a top 10, 12 player based on his 2019 tape. I think there are two things that people worry about with him. One, he didn't play this year, Jimmy. Two, there are some off-the-field rumblings with him. I've heard some people express real concern about that. I've heard other people not really worry about it too much. And I'll bring this up, though, too. And this goes to Paul's previous point. The Giants are going to know everything they need to know about Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. Because yep. their defensive line coach was there in 2019 yep. with Micah Parsons. So they are going to know everything about that kid, and they'll know if they're in or if they're out. There will not be any shortage of knowledge of Micah Parsons. So that's one thing that I think you look at with confidence. If he's there and the Giants pick him, it means they feel really good about it. And if they pass on him, it tells you, all right, well, maybe they know something that other teams don't, that maybe he's not the right pick there. So they'll know the deal with Micah Parsons one way or the other. Yeah, uh, I, I, no, I, I agree with that. And, and I'm very familiar with all the, the, you know, the stories that have been published about what happened out there at, uh, at, at Penn State. But, I, the little, but I've watched Penn State, you know, because Moorhead was there, and, and people back here have always, I mean, Penn State has a following back here in the greater metropolitan area. And um, the kid, to me, though, boy, oh, boy, he has got – he just plays defense. And I think in, in Graham's a, – a Graham schemes, if we saw nothing else, Graham is flexible. And I know you guys were talking about, well, you get him to who comes off the field with the three safeties. To me, I think you could put this kid not on every down, but Graham could design something where you keep Peppers out there, you keep Martinez out, out there, and you take – he just looks athletic enough to me that I think he could – you know, on occasion, go step out there on the outside and and in some kind of a scheme, be a rusher and be an effective pass rusher. No, look, Jimmy, you're but, right. Parsons can do a little bit of everything. It's not yeah. like – Parsons does not limit your scheme. Like, mm-hmm. if, if, if that's what it sounded like we were saying, that wasn't our intention, because oh, he right. can do a little bit of everything. So, as far as a trade back, so if, there's, so if there are no, no – these weapons are all gone – um, how far back would you guys be really willing to go? Twenty. On a, on a, I, I would be willing to go to twenty. Well, I got to know what you're going to give me too. That I have to answer it. That well, way. Jeff, I'm assuming you're getting uh, commensurate value for the move down. Okay, for a two, for a two, but that's moving. That was from eleven to to eighteen, right? I'd be uh, Raiders are seventeen, seventeen. Washington's nineteen, and Bears are twenty. The reason I go nineteen and twenty is because those two teams will be the teams that would be considering trading up for a quarterback. Yeah. Two and like Paul said, maybe another one. Give me another fifth round. But then, you know, who, then again, getting back to your, the point you made earlier, who is that quarterback? Do you do you think anybody would be willing to? I don't because Trey Lance, I, I, you know, with being the Fordham connection, I watch a lot of FCS football, and you can't watch FCS football without watching North Dakota State. Yeah. I mean, because they just like, you know, they've won like a gazillion billion championships. <laughs> or, you know, they're really not an FCS school. <laughs> The kid, he's got, you know, you, you can see his size. He's got a big arm. But I'm just, to, to take a kid like that, uh, 
you know, in the top with a top ten pick, I think I, I, it would just shock me if it happens. But what about when you think a guy like Belichick, if the kid from Alabama is sitting there? I don't think they trade up for the, him. Could he jump? Could he jump Lance as the fourth quarterback on the on the list? Sure, he could. I don't think it's impossible. No, he should. Hmm. Let me just tell you something right now. Mac Jones has all of the intangibles off the charts. His pluses, let me see my notes on Mac Jones. Hold on a second here. I got Mac Jones. I wrote down accuracy, touch, timing, consistency, poise. What didn't I like? Doesn't have great mobility and doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. But he brings everything else to the table with triple pluses. Well, I would say, Paul, the other thing I'll throw in there, too, I don't trust him to make plays out of structure. Well, that's where, part where, of that mobility the, thing. Right. If the play breaks down, like it's over for him. Like, I don't think he's going to be able to scramble and make something out of nothing like some of these other guys can. The, my worries with Lance is his number of games, his reps. That's one. Two, it was a very run-heavy offense. He really didn't, like, he averaged, I think, under 25 throws a game. Um, he was kind of like, all right, if that first read's not there, I'm going to run the ball. So I That's think you right. would have to enc- tucks it down too quick. I think you'd have to encompass a lot of run stuff into your system, and he is quick to run when that first option's not there. Paul's absolutely right about that. The only that. thing so, too, he only throws to half the routes. He doesn't run. He doesn't throw to the full route tree. Right. So there is a lot of development. If you're a team and you draft Trey Lance, do not expect to play him that first season. He's a guy you better sit for a year. And get him ready to go, Jim. He's a projection yeah. guy, is what he is. He is true. Is he is Lance. talent oozing out of his pores? But Paul's right. He it, it's about projecting those tools into quarterback play. It, to All be right, frank exactly. with you, and and I mentioned this on the show last week. Thanks, Phil Sims said he's a third round pick in value. That's what he is, and I agree with Phil a thousand percent. I think a late second round, third round pick. That's what he is. You 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 really you're rolling a lot of dice with him. I let him go. Okay. I like Mac Jones. I mean, I, listen, he's not going to – some team might just, you know, go up to get him, you know, because I feel he's like a safe pick. You know, and, and I don't think he's going to – like you said, John, I don't think he's going to light it up with, you know, like uh, Aaron Rodgers' numbers, things like that. But I think that he's a guy that will just – is going to be a smart quarterback, get, get you in the right uh, play. Um, his accuracy is a little bit down, but, I mean, he's, he hasn't played a lot of football. You know, it's one of those guys where maybe he gets to the pros and just ascends. I mean, the next thing you know, this guy is amazing. For his sake, if you could plug him into one of these teams that are already pretty good and have talent around him and and have a line and have receivers, that's where he works. But if he gets plugged in on a team that doesn't have a whole lot, it could be that's where you're in trouble. It could be a struggle. Hundred percent agree with you there. And let's not forget something, okay? Once again, and I know I do this so often, but I, I just have that much respect for Nick Saban. The guy, the guy preps his, his folks, his players, okay, in such a way. Dalvin Tomlinson, I, he said to me flat out, he said, man, preparation, training camp, practices, you know how much harder they were at Alabama than when I got here? This is a cakewalk. Well, it's the NFL. That's, why. that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. Mac Jones, let me tell you something. This guy, again, intangibles, triple pluses off the charts. He's got everything. He doesn't match or doesn't check every box physically with his arm and his mobility particularly. But he does everything else in triple pluses, which to me says, you know what? I'd rather, if I was going to gamble on one of these quarterbacks, and outside of Lawrence, I think they're all gambles. 
I actually would rather gamble on him. All right, I want to squeeze in one more call here, guys. We Me only too. got two, and I want to get a third in. All right, Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, Marty from Manahawkin. Marty, what's up, pal? Hi. Hey, Marty. Yeah, how you doing, guys? Hey, uh, I, I was reading an article this morning, came across from one of the other, uh, like, periodicals, and uh, I was starting to get a little uh, nervous about uh, getting Leonard Williams back because uh, I read that uh, – they have offers for J.J. Uh, Watt starting at anywhere from 13 to $15 million for the year. And, uh, you know, looking at what we would have to be up against, the sign Williams, I'm sure he's younger and he's going to ask for a lot more than that. Well, and I think the, the point that Paul and Lance made when they did DTs earlier in the week, too, it's a very weak free agency class at the position, and the draft class is very weak at defensive tackle, too, which will put a priority on Williams and Tomlinson even in a depressed market, there might be a lot of demand for those guys. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I hope think that's I the way it pays out. Just to add to that, understand this: J.J. Watt is is in all likelihood. I do believe, despite the injuries. I mean, being a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, sure he is. Okay, so so and he's going to say, "I just played 16 games this past season," so to some degree. In his mind, he's not going to be thinking discount, you know. So when they say minimum of $15 million a year, you know, understand that this guy's resume, I happen to be a huge Leonard Williams fan, but the body of work and the resume for J.J. Watt says he's no slouch, even at this stage of his career with a lot of injuries on his, on his resume and the fact that he's at an advanced age. He's still not going to come in at a, at a Kmart price. Right, but he's also 32 years old, and he's Again, missed a lot of games. The I understand injuries that. on the downslope. Look, bottom line here, be ready to pay Leonard Williams $20 million a season. Be ready for that, because that's what he's going yeah. to want to ask for. Well, if we could afford it, I could see it, you know, but I'd still, I'd still like to try to keep uh, Tomlinson at the same time. Oh, I think that's that's the perfect scenario, and I do think it's much more possible than Thank a you, lot Marty. of the people have been writing about. And by the way, you know, think about this, too. When you think about Leonard Williams, for those of you who are still skeptical, think about that final series against the Cowboys at the end of last season when he wrecked them, including the pass rush, by the way, that forced the interception to McKinney, not to mention the sack. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, and, and Jeff knows this from sitting next to me in the press box for years now, how God many times have you seen a Giants player in the front seven be able to do something like that with the game on the line since maybe, maybe JPP that one year, that one sensational year that he had? Mm-hmm. But since then, it has not happened. That is a very rare trait that Leonard Williams was able to put on the field this season. Yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of player that we've always wanted, and that's the kind of player that you want to go out if you're looking for that type of player in free agency, um, and you're going to pay for him. Is JJ Watt one of those guys? Yeah, I don't know. Can he still do it? Probably, but you know, for the amount of money, I'm taking my chances on a guy that's less than thirty, uh, like a Leonard Williams and JJ Watt. That's for sure, and Clowney and all those other guys. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Jeff, Paul, a pleasure. Tomorrow Thank you, John. we are back. It'll be Lance, Paul, and I, and we will take a look at the Giants' secondary, the draft, and free agency. Guys, Jeff, we'll talk to you next week, and Paul will talk to you tomorrow.
You got Thanks, it. Paul. Yep. Thank you, guys. All right, folks. Don't forget, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs from the New York Lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. And Giant fans, Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and our other podcasts, including the Giants Huddle Podcast. Just put one down with Adam Kaplan. We'll be recording one with uh, Trevor Sikama over at the Draft Network. Coming up later on today, that'll post tomorrow. So make sure you check that out again at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and on all your favorite podcast platforms. For Polly Dots, for Jeff Fiegels, I am John Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, for another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Stay safe out there.